Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller, North by Northwest. One minute of screen time per episode. We are here for episode slash minute 93. I am one of your hosts from Groundhog Minute, Sean German, and with us... It's Dave, also from Groundhog Minute, Five Minutes of Mystery. Yeah, Five Minutes of Mystery. Great, great movie, great show. You know I love it. So we're... uh, what do you know? It's more auction. Um, so there's they're bidding on. It's a um, Louis the Fourteenth carved and gilded lit de repose, which is just a fancy way of saying couch. Bidding is up to twelve hundred, and Thornhill's going to bid thirteen dollars because he's allowed. He's a genuine idiot. He's ruining this whole thing, and he gets a laugh out of it, like. <laughs> Like, like people are still like, oh, I'm still, yeah. I'm still being entertained by this. Like, no, somebody's like, I want that couch in my parlor or something, and like this guy is being a nincompoop. Yeah, and someone's like, the like, yeah. like, why well, I've never like this guy. Goes, no, okay, I'm done. Like, I've had yeah. conversations now with you. Like, stop. How did it get this far? So I got, a, I got a question. Did you know, like? So this is one of the things that actually does pay off. One of the few things in this movie that's like set up in a payoff later in terms of why were the bad guys at the auction house? Why does, you know, when Thornhill follows Eve, why does she go to this auction? Like, did you like, did, did you know, you know, right away were you like, oh, auction, this is a trope or were you as confused as I was about this? Why, why this scene even exists? I still don't know the bad guy's plan. I I am still in the loss. I went to the wiki and I still got confused. <laughs> I know there's a sculpture with film at the end. I don't know what the film's on it. Like JFK's not even dead yet. So like, what is it? What could the film be if it's not JFK getting assassinated? Like what in 1959? Wait, is it like Operation Paperclip? Is it like <laughs> secret Nazis? Like, no, like. The what is it's, it? Yeah, what the, the the boys of Brazil. Yeah, that's, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't remember what's actually on the film, but yeah, you're right. So the, there's some microfiche or microfilm that's hidden in a statue that they were there to bid on, which all seems needlessly complex. That's a scene straight out of Robot in the Family that I just watched yeah. <laughs> because of Red Letter Media mm-hmm. and what a horrible film that was. And that was another thing where there was like there's a secret thing and it's in a sculpture. And I'm like, where does this, where, where did this trope get started? Where they like, they guess what? It's in a sculpture. Did someone build a sculpture around a famous thing? Yeah. Like, like it, I guess. Like, I mean, the only time I ever hear about it is like in the drug movies where they're like, all these like, they have like a statue, they break it. It's like, it's actually drugs. Like that's, <laughs> that's all I heard. That's the only time I ever yeah. saw like a narcos and stuff. They talk about that. That's the right, 80s, yeah, so like, I don't the, even know what that. The drugs thing. are hidden in a doll or a teddy bear or something. Yeah. Like. Yeah, so this is a com- like sort of a combination of tropes, kind of the auction thing and the yeah the, the smuggling and a doll thing, which yeah I, I mean first time seeing this, I had no idea like that did not occur to me why that, that they're using this auction as a way to like transfer the goods and then when I when I got to the end I'm like that still doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, well who is buying it if it's not is, is it Van Dam put it here for somebody else to get like who guy I don't. Who is Van Dam? I don't know. Like, I just know at the end, um, the FBI was there or something. He wasn't under arrest. Like, I don't. Yeah. Well, though, I guess, do we ever, I don't, maybe I'll have to listen to the podcast and see. (laughs) Because, so they, I guess, I think it was Van Dam 
who who buys it, they buy the statue. So they're at the auction to like, you know, make the pass to pick up the goods. But who put it up for auction? Well, and the thing is, it has to be. So how do they like just so the thing has to be in the auction. This isn't just, you know, this isn't what the um, like unclaimed storage unit thing where they're just auctioning off random stuff like this is all expect you know it's expensive art and antique furniture louis the 14th so like they would have to get something into the auction or identify a piece oh here's something that's in the auction that's big enough that we can hide stuff in and so, so somehow get get their item into the auction and then the other guy's got to win the auction. Cause like, what if he's outbid? Like he's, so you're just gonna, it's just, you just got to have a big bankroll and be ready to outbid any idiot that comes in and may just happen to like the thing that you put up there. I don't know why they don't like Van Damme doesn't say like he's being chased or he's under any stress. And Cary Grant's doing is like, what if for murder? And like, he's like able to make it like through so many checkpoints and things. Why don't someone just walk up to Van Damme like, here you go, here's the microphone. Okay, yeah. thank you. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't like the feds were like on his butt until like the very end of the film. Like, yeah, I, was, I, I mean, was ready for like all of Hoover's men to show up or something. Well, yeah, because it doesn't seem like so. The uh, I forget the names. So that like the quote unquote good guys, the U.S. government guys, they know about these bad guys, but they don't seem to really know who they are exactly. Like they don't know where they are. Until the thorn, like Thornhill is bait, you know, Cary Grant is the bait that pulls them out. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's the bad guys. Like it was the same way the bad guys are chasing. Oh, I got you know, we're, we're following Thornhill where they're like, they know there's a guy they're following, but they've never seen him. Like the good guys, they know they're bad guys, but they don't know him till till they, they come out of hiding to get Cary Grant. So, yeah, like you said, are you talking about that professor guy we're going to meet in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The professor guy. Yeah, is he was he a Fed or something? I I don't um I don't know I don't what they know. say. Like, yeah, he must be like yeah, like CIA or NSA or something. But he's like seventy-eight years old. Like they couldn't get somebody like they couldn't get a guy who like like um like uh, I don't know, what's his name? Uh, Sterling out of uh, Twilight Zone. Where he's like a cool guy oh, in a yeah, suit Rod being, like, Sterling, yeah, yeah, lights a cigarette. We know they've been chasing you. We're letting you use his bait so we can, you know, like get him. Like, you know, it's like, I'm an old man. I'm the only <laughs> man who's older than you, Cary Grant. You're a mid 50s yeah. man being chased, and I'm an older man. And I didn't know who this guy was. Like, who's this old guy? Oh, I'm so old. But yeah, it does seem like they could have, wherever, the, you know, wherever the this microfilm comes from, they could have just handed it to James Mason. Just be like, here. You know, it's kind of like, like the handoff in office space where they kind of set it up. They got the quick cuts and like the, the suspenseful music and then they hand over the disc. And then the guys are like, nobody's really watching us. Like we could, yeah. like, this, this isn't difficult. This isn't secret. Like no one's really onto these guys until they start chasing Harry Grant. So like, why did they, this, this whole plan seems needlessly. I land now is like on the security staff. He just can't move it. <laughs> well yeah so yeah so it was like yeah so landau he's up you know he's standing next to the the security seems like part of the staff there maybe he's the guy who gets it in but yeah but then like he, again he lets this thing go on so long he lets the police come like do if you're trying to get this guy 
don't you want to stop this before the cops get called? You want to take care of this internally. Yeah, he's looking around. Look, look, over by like minute, like second 39, he's like looking around like, oh, did they call the police? Is it coming? Yeah, dude. Like yeah. you've given him plenty of time to cause a, a, a commotion. Like Harry Grant is clearly not going to like get up and leave. Like, oh, I'll just be on my way. Hope I don't get shot. Yeah. This is some of the worst spying espionage stuff clown pewter i've seen in a while well because then what's his name the um the wrinkled the wrinkled suit guy valerian he's just standing in back like useless do you know at because at this point he he doesn't look threatening he looks like a a a ham steak like he's just like he has no (laughs) idea well i i let him know i had a gun in my pocket and uh i'm just gonna stand here now yeah, he's the guy who who married the gangster's daughter, <laughs> who's like he's not he's not born into this stuff. He's not really in it, but like the old man gives him a job in the family business just to you know toss him a bone. But he doesn't really know what he's doing because at this point, if he just ran up and grabbed Thornhill and dragged him out, everyone would just be like, "Oh, he must be security. Great, he's taking care of that bomb. We can move on with the auction." Like even the auctioneer would be like, well, I don't recognize him, but he must be the new guy. Like, yeah, at, at this point, like, just run over, walk over, or walk quickly. And don't look conspicuous, but walk over to Thornhill, grab him, and drag him out. And you'd be, be you know, everyone would cheer. No one would be like, hey, who is that? He's not security. No, you just do it. And then, you know, act like you belong, and no one would stop him. But instead, he's like, just, he's like shifting weight. He's got the wrinkled suit. He's looking nervous. Landau's like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. What's going on here? It's bumbling. And it goes on and on. $13, that's all it's worth. And then, uh, where is it? At some point in this minute, someone picks up a phone. The uh, The man to the left of the auctioneer walks over, whispers to a woman who picks up the phone. And uh, so she, I guess she's she's calling the cops finally after like exactly. five hours of this whole thing. Like... That took way too long. By the way, I, I I just went back. I look just minute six. They're just like, that's him. Like, what are you talking about? I still don't get that. <laughs> minute six. I was like, is your son, were they in the previous minute and I missed it? It's like they just showed me. Go, that's Kaplan. Why? Why is yeah. it Kaplan? I don't know. I wish I had He's more even, answers. Yeah, for yeah. You. <laughs> I wanted like the film. I just, just I'm missing stuff, and I'm like. Did like sneak by older audiences, and I got a critical eye, and I'm being like, "Wait a sec, we got a hundred or so freaking podcasters on this season, like checking this out." I mean, yeah, I guess maybe entertainment was different. Like I said, I liked rope, and I wouldn't change a thing about it. It was nice and tight, and everything. It was tense. Yeah, rope is great. Um, what's it? A lifeboat? lifeboat. Yeah. Another great film. I mean, certainly Hitchcock can make a movie. No one's denying that. I just, yeah. I mean, like, I love, you know, honestly, one of my my favorite, like, uh, a guilty pleasure thrillers are Phone Booth. Phone Booth. There you go. Phone Booth. It's really simple. And I I remember walking out of the theater, like, you know, obviously a little younger. But I remember walking out of the theater and be like, that was like a modern Hitchcock film. It was just a tense guy. It was just Colin Farrell. And he just had Kiefer Sullivan's voice in his head. And that's it. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know where he is, but he's got a he's got a gun trained on me. It's just it's just very simple, you know. And and so, you know, keeping that tension up, keeping like you know, 
knowing when to dial it up and dial it down. I just feel like it was dialed down in the, in the it was dialed down in the in the, uh, in the hotel room. It was like slow burn ramps up here in the auction house, and it was like ramping up because you know, he can't escape. But like it's starting to like turn back down because it's becoming like the Colgate hour over here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about our, our auctioneer, the, the star sure. of the week, certainly um, our key sure. figure. So the, the auctioneer is played by Les Tremaine and he's got an extensive resume, extensive credits in IMDb, did a lot of voice work, uh, born in, uh, born in England, but moved to Chicago as a child, which probably probably affected his accent some. So it's not quite the Midwest accent, but it's not quite an English accent. He's a child, though. I mean, like, like, but he would have known how to talk. You know, he's it was he moved it when he was four. Oh, I don't so he would have know. learned how to talk in England, but then, like, yeah, grown up in Chicago. But uh, yeah, like a ton of credits, bunch of movies throughout like the '60s and '70s, a bunch of TV work, like a you know an episode here or there, a bunch of. Uh, you know, of, of Wagon Train and um, uh, Perry Mason. I was trying to think, of who's the guy in the wheelchair? Ironsides. But no, uh, yeah, so he did a, a bunch of... Wow. What, what <laughs> I was a... getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> you know, the guy wow, in the wheelchair. Ironsides had like one season show. Well, I think you're talking about that on <laughs> Oh, that was a great show. Um, did a couple Bonanza, but uh, worked all the way up till... He, he died in 2003 at age wow. 90. He's got credits. Um, well, his last credit is 2005, even. But he was doing voices, you know, into into the 90s. Was doing TV sh- stuff and, and voice work. So uh, did uh, did a little bit of Smurfs. Was in the Smurfs in the nice. 80s as well. Johnny Quest. Um, yeah. So so the guy did get some work out of voice. Could talk. Could act. Um, there's some Scooby Doo in there. So if you recognize him, that's maybe where you know him from. <laughs> There you go. You know, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what bothers me. It's not his actor. It's honestly the angle at second 31. What is this like super soft, cheesy cloth camera angle here? Does that bug you? <laughs> like, it's just like it's way too cheesecloth-y for those few seconds. Like, it wanted, they, wanted a, they wanted a close shot of Cary Grant, like, ah, uh, like he's looking because, you know, he sees them calling the operator. And I'm like, it's a good shot, but I don't know why the camera is so puffy. It pulls me. It's noticeable. Yeah, I. You know, I. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it's if it was like a, a distant shot that they later decided to pull in and turn into a close up because I think we get the same thing at like twenty six, twenty seven seconds, but it's that same angle where we're close up on. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because before we had been seeing, we were like you know in the front of the room looking down the aisle to where. Uh, Grant is sitting, but now it's like close up. We just see Grant and then the woman next to him, like they're become very close, very quick. They're like, <laughs> she's like practically sitting in his lap. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they're, they're very close, but yeah. So yeah, that, that close up shot and it's a little, yeah, it's a little fuzzy. Why is it at the end of this I minute? Wonder, yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it, well, and then they flip like second 36, we go back to the, the far away angle, the far away shot looking down the yeah. aisle and like then he's back to normal. He's back in focus. Why isn't at this end of this minute? Yeah, like I said, they get, they called the police on him. Why is the guy in glasses the second in command here? 
Why is he still entertaining? Like, oh, this is what the bit is correctly. Like, <laughs> they clearly have lost faith that he's an actual consumer. They he, they should just go over to him and say, "We're going to escort you to the lobby because we have the police mm-hmm. coming." You know, like get right. him out of the lobby so the police don't come in and it turns into a scene. I agree. You call the police. There's a guy here. He's disrupting the auction. Okay, quietly move him out into the lobby, and then have the police come and take him out of the lobby, and then like. In a few minutes, people will forget about the guy, but they're like entertaining right. him still. Well, yeah. Or if, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you don't think you can proceed till the police get there, like, I guess they don't have security or the on-site security isn't worth anything. Orlando's not worth anything. He's just standing there making eyes like, oh, geez, he's making a scene. Like, all right, well. Yeah, Landau's worthless. So then just stop the auction. Say, you know what? We're going to take five minutes. We're going to recoup, you know, regather ourselves, and we'll That's pick up That's actually not a bad idea at all because, like, like, the fact that they have to keep reminding him the bid because he's been throwing numbers. And, like, no. Yeah. Like, like the other people around him are, like, they're legit bidding. So, like, they should be, like, you know, we're going to – all right, we're going to pause it. Like, this man has the closest bid at 2100 or whatever it is. Okay, pause. We're pausing now. Like, take five. Yeah, you're right. Like – it's too much commotion. I think they can't keep this circus going, even until the police go show up. Mm-hmm. Should stop it all and, and then remove him. But well, and then what's the so obviously when the bidding is like at twenty two fifty and he comes in at fifteen hundred, or if it's they're calling for thirteen hundred and he says thirteen dollars, mm-hmm. you obviously can't accept yes. that. But then some of these later bids where it's the the bids up to twelve hundred and then he says three thousand. Well, it's like, okay, so he's established a pattern where he's just trying to disrupt thing and he's not serious. But if he, like, that's a legal bid. If he goes over the current high bid. I mean, it's a legal bid if he's, like, legally there. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. That no one's checking any credentials that he was supposed to be invited. Like, they're like, who are you? He could be, you know, he could be like some eccentric billionaire or something. <laughs> you know, one of those trust fund kids that just likes to make trouble. And maybe he's got the money. Like, yeah, but what uh, they'd be on the hook though if they said, "Okay, you wait for three thousand dollars." <laughs> Whoa, I don't got the money. I don't actually have the money. I don't have it on me, yeah. you know. But again, so they should have don't yeah don't engage. Why the auctioneer is going back and forth with this guy when he should have just been like, "All right, security's coming. I'm sorry, everyone, but till this gentleman's removed, we're going to take a, a short." Yeah, so the auctioneer, he's in charge. Like, I think he has enough authority not just. Be- but like the guy who's like he's recording the actual money, he could have turned to the spectacles guy and be like, "Get him out!" And like, no one's gonna yeah. get. Oh, hey, you you're getting rid of the guy who's making nonsense here in the room. Like, no, they just get him out. Close the hand over the mic, get him out. and that's it. So you know, I know it's a movie, we're, but just this these last few bids have just been so silly that you're like you're forgetting about Van Damme had a gun in the woman's back. And he's escorting right. her aggressively out of the house. Ha- That's dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah, mortal danger. Yeah, like, oh, shoot, are, are we responsible for this woman's death now? Oh, we got to make the funny money. That's what bugs me. It's that, like, I, oh, my God. Like, oh, no, he's got to go after her. But, he like, it's he's just taking too long in the auction the years of being a bunch of goofballs. Everyone's being goofy. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I hear you. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, okay, I hear good. what you're saying. All right, so make sure it's clear. <laughs> All right, so anything else for minute ninety three? I know you've got plenty more auction notes, <laughs> but we <laughs> we we'll be back in this auction yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, you're right. Let's 
So, so hold on to your auction questions okay, for good. tomorrow. We'll get to them all then. <laughs> Until then, we've been um, where are we? We've we've been the Hitchcock Minute. You can find us wherever you found us. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play under the Hitchcock Minute Podcast. Also on our website, HitchcockMinute.com. If you're into social media, we are on Facebook at The Man on Washington's Nose and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Uh, Dave, where can where, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me over at 5 Minutes of Mystery, where I talk about the superhero comedy ensemble, Mystery Men. And you can find me at Groundhog Minute, where myself and my good friend Dave Palace talk about Groundhog Day, one minute at a time. And we will see you next time on Hitchcock, Hitchcock Minute. Minute.